what it do, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and give the show a five-star review. It really does make a massive difference in the success of this podcast. So thank you so, so much in advance. On this episode, we have Carrie Hokama. He is an inspirational speaker. He's a personal trainer. He's an all-around good dude. He's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. And we talk about all sorts of personal development stuff on on this episode. He's also the author of Own Yourself, which is a book you can pick up, I believe, on Amazon or wherever you get your books at. So, without any further ado, please welcome Carrie Okama. Welcome to the Nick Ingersoll Show. The real samurai in the house. Woo. What's up, bro? Thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate them. Hey, that beat was sick, man. <laughs> Did you get that from premiumbeats.com? Something like that, yes, yeah. that's good. That's was, what's up. What's good, man? <laughs> I wish I could take the credit for making the beat since I do like to make music, but I didn't make that one. <laughs> that's all good, man. Lot, that's, what, that's what we do. That's why you stay busy and that's why you're making money. Yeah, that's right. That's right, man. Well, um, again, thanks for coming on. You know, we, we've known each other for how long now? Three years or something yeah, like something that? Yeah, something like that. It's yeah. been fast. And it's been good. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's been I'm always awesome. feeling your vibe. I really appreciate <laughs> that, dude. Likewise. You know, I feel like, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about this uh, before the show, but like life is so short that you kind of have to, if, when you find cool and good people in the universe, you kind of need to corral them and keep them somewhat close to you. And I consider you one of those people. So, Man. hey, fist bump. Hey, <laughs> I'm serious when I say this, that every single day when you wake up, especially now that I'm in my 40s. Like, I got to count down the days, dude. Like, when I, when I wake up, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so fortunate. But I'm also one day closer to, to my death date. And then that's my impetus for just going out and just kicking ass in life, man. Absolutely. Well, you know, when, ha- when you have that realization and maybe it comes to you when you turn 40, maybe it comes to you when, you know, you have a death in the family or a something happens. Um, it really does sort of make you think like, wow, I just got to put one foot in front of the opposite foot, in front of the opposite foot, in front of the opposite foot, and just keep moving until you get to where you need to be. Yeah. And and mind you, you're going to backstep a few times too. And that's sometimes necessary. You know, you got to backtrack and just be like, okay, cool. That didn't work. That hurt. But that was a bit scary. But all right, let's just uh, put one more foot in front of the other and see where it goes. Yeah. And the, the commonality that, um, I guess the way that we uh, initially met was through the, the bond of jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. You know? Right? Yeah. yeah. The art. The art of jiu-jitsu. Um, and I, I found that, um, you know, in jiu-jitsu, in the jiu-jitsu community, um, you know, it's, it's a really tight-knit group of people. And generally speaking, it, it sounds ironic to people that just don't know about the sport um, or the martial art itself. But it's like uh, some of the nicest people you'll, you'll ever meet. And of course, it's very ego-dissolving in and of itself. It is. But it's, it's uh, I think, surprising to some people that maybe don't know about martial arts mm-hmm. that, you know, choking your friends, um, <laughs> some of the, like the nicest people you'll you'll ever meet absolutely man it's humbling for sure but i would even challenge you in saying that even within the jujitsu community like you still recognize certain people that you want to say hey you know what it'd be cool to get to know that guy yeah you're definitely one of those guys right and so we saw each other on uh, other people's platforms and we said all right dude he's doing something 
you know, I'm, I know I'm doing something. So there's got to be a way for us to connect so that we can collaborate or at least put our minds together within the art of jujitsu so that we can take our business lives and relationships to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, you know, follow you on Instagram and you're always doing a whole bunch of crazy shit, right? You're nah. touring around and, and, and talking to people and, um, you know, you're launching all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, what sort of makes you tick? Like, like, you know, what keeps you when you wake up in the morning and you realize that um, you're in your 40s now, even though you look like you're 28, um, <laughs> you know, like, like what, what really just makes you get out of bed and start start running? Yeah, you know, that's crazy, Nick. I know that you mentioned that you had uh, a couple of down moments this past year, right? And uh, I, I would say this is that people always assume that because you have so much content out there that you're killing it in life, that's the perception. But uh, what I found is that like the key moments, just when, when you're really going through some tough times and it helps you to identify what the, what's the most important thing in your life, right? So for me, it's my family and, uh, and relationships, right? So uh, just mo- most recently, I went through a time where I'm like, man, I'm not really clear on what it is that I'm, my purpose is. And up, up until that point, I was like, it's all about crushing it in life and entrepreneurship and being all over the place and doing this and this and that until I real, realized that, man, all I want to do is help my family. I, wanna, I, need, I need to create this type of, of, of wealth. And when I say wealth, I'm not, I'm not talking about just numbers, but in terms of having the ability to decide who, what, when, where, why, and how my terms because I know that you, you come from a, a background where you weren't affirmed very much. Right. And, and through me and my family is that my family broke up due to a lack of money. And so I realized that, man, all I want to do now is just bring my family back together uh, to no longer uh, have them experience what it's like to have limitations. Much of that is which is like self-imposed. Right. And so why I wake up every single day and do what I do relentlessly is because I want to create that type of freedom for those I truly say I love most. And that gets me out of bed and I get to put purpose in what I do. So a lot of people are searching for like, well, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know what my purpose is. Well, put passion into what you do and you'll figure it out. Right. That's beautiful. You know, I, um, I, I don't have much of a family um, in numbers, you know, and, and the close uh, members of my family that I do have, I, I keep them very tight. So, yeah. you know, that certainly resonates for me. And, you know, when I think about 10 or 15 or 20 years in the future, I feel like that is one of those elements that I haven't had to take into consideration in my life yet. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to hear you talk about it because it's like, oh, that is how I should see my own personal future. It's at some level, right? It's like, the, oh, that's what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, absolutely, man. So it's like, what do you live for every single day? For me, it's like to, to, to liberate my parents. You know, my dad promised me at the age of 10 when he moved to Japan, like I'll be back in one year because I'm tripling my salary, right? And at the time, his question was, I either move to Japan or we move to Compton. And we're like, Compton? I ain't moved no Compton. Especially not in the mid-90s. Nah, nah, right? And so we're like, all right, dad, you're moving. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I was 10 and he promised me, if you're 10 and your dad is your superhero, he's like, all right, son, I love you. I'll be back in one year. And you're so excited when that one year comes around. And when he comes, says, sorry, son, I got to go back for one more year. I'm 41. My dad is still in Japan. Wow. So that's been a driving force to see my mom all alone raising myself, my sister, all throughout the, the tough years of teenagehood, young adulthood, uh, 
and uh, and and seeing my dad still in Japan, still like just you know just struggling just to make it, man. It gives me that driving force that I am here to serve my family, to create uh, wealth for them and for those my friends, my loved ones. But here's the key. The key is how do you earn that money, right? And so in my recent talk when I was on the the Think and Grow Rich tour, you know, I threw my presentation to the side and I really wanted to talk to people about what money is, right? So Nick, like we're in a place where we're in entrepreneurship and everyone is like, okay, you got to go make money. But the semantics alone and, and what I'm about to share right now could change the relationship to money for, for good. And if we can understand this, then I feel like we are all in a better position to create this financial freedom that we're talking about. Because as a coach, as a transformation specialist, the, the two things that I found in my research, through my personal experience, is that people really want, only want two things in life. One is wealth, and another one is a, a peace of mind. But typically, you can't really have a peace of mind until you have wealth, right? right. And so it's like, the question is, then what is money? Because we always say we want to make money, but what is money? And if I were to ask you, if I were to ask someone else, and if I were to ask my mom and then your friend and then Hannah and Hedon, they're all going to say different things. They're going to say, oh, money is a vehicle. You're going to say, what's your answer, Nick? Benjamins. Money is Benjamins. People say money is an exchange of currency. They'll say, some people say money is energy. Right. So if we're Energy. all unclear, if we're all unclear on what money is and how do we expect to have more of it? Right. And so my mentor one time was like, yo, Carrie, how, uh, how much you want to make? And I was like, I want to make a million dollars a year. This is like, you know, several years back. Right. And he's like, well, what is money? And I'm like, what do you mean? What is money? Dude, money's money. And he goes, well, tell me what it is then. And then I started explaining six to seven things of what I thought money was. So he's like, see, you're not crystal clear on what money is. And so if you're not crystal clear, how do you expect to have more of it? And he's like, here it is, man. Like, there are only two people in this world who make money. It's the government and then they're crooks, right, who make <laughs> counterfeit money. So, Nick, you and I, we don't make money. We have money. And it's just like, okay, that makes sense. All right, let's keep going. So now the semantics, once you understand what money is, money is an idea that's backed by confidence because we can honestly argue that at one point in life, there is no such thing as money. Like we had exchange goods, right? Like I had exchanged my bananas for your cotton so that we can survive and do go, go about our days. And so money is an idea backed by confidence. And what I've learned, Nick, dude, is, is really like the more, the more people you serve, the more problems that you solve for others, whether directly or indirectly, and the more value that you add in your marketplace, the more money you'll have. You right. know what I mean? Right. And once I understood that, man, everything just started clicking. Clarity, your decisions become easier because we're all in a space of entrepreneurship and, and personal branding. And so because of that, we attend all these conferences and workshops, we buy people's courses, and then our own ethos gets mixed up. We start to get lost. And once you lose that clarity, then everything becomes freaking difficult. Yeah, I think you know, one of those things about that, that you touched on is it's super easy to just get lost in the woods. Like if you don't have sort of your own North star, you don't, you know, for, for me, I just kind of beat to my own drum. I dance on my own drum, you know, beat to my own drum, whatever the fucking saying is. <laughs> God damn it. Um, 
I yeah. understood. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I, I've never had a mentor. I, I don't necessarily look to others for how I should live my own life, but I know also that that's a very edge case scenario. Like I, I know that that's not a common thing. Um, and at least what I see in in, in the people that, that I interact with is they get so many inputs from so many different places, mm-hmm. right? And and then they do sort of lose that clarity, lose track. You know, that you can listen to a thousand people on yeah. YouTube telling yeah. you a million different ways to make money or yeah. have money or whatever. It's like, oh, you can do affiliate marketing. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's evil. Mm-hmm. You should do this or do that or, you know, and I think that um, sometimes just that mental angst is what sort of freezes people in place and stops them from going forward and, and doing something that is meaningful or that uh, sort of has intrinsic good built into it in, in their daily activities. No, no, no doubt, man. I think it's just that this is where, as cheesy as it sounds, like your self-awareness game has to be top-notch, man, because we are in the most noisiest freaking community and generation that this world has ever seen. Right. And so when people say, oh, you got to be you, be authentic. I mean, that can get so played out these days. It depends on who says it, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, that's so true, man. That self-awareness and that happiness game, like putting purpose in your life rather than, oh, what's my purpose? You got to go find my purpose. So I got to listen to Gary Vee 10 more times, you know? Yeah. Dude, just freaking like put purpose in what you do and you'll eventually find it, dude. That's one of the things too is where you know you, you hear people say like follow your passion and that's not terrible it's advice, not terrible. right? That's not terrible advice, but but also like maybe that's you you can't do that right now. Like maybe that's, you know, impossible to do right now or you can do it in a very small way while you're also doing something else that sort of pays the bills. And like you said, I think finding passion or purpose in the thing that you are doing is so important, like no matter what you're doing, right? I mean, my, my grandpa he was a janitor, you know what I mean? And like, he found purpose in that. And, and that purpose is what pe- make people happy. You know, it's not necessarily the, if you're a janitor or an entrepreneur or a radio host or a whatever it is, right? It's like, do you have purpose in that thing? And it's going to vary from person to person. And like you said, you really have to ask yourself, like, what type of purpose can I find in what I'm doing? Otherwise, you're just never going to be happy. You're just going to be chasing the tail. Dude, most definitely, man. And here's what you reminded me of. There's this, uh, I forgot for which NFL team. Oh, no, no. It was for that Philly fanatic guy. You know, that that mascot for the Phillies? Is that the bird? Uh, he's like a green. I don't even know oh, what yeah. he is. Yeah, he's like this fluffy green. <laughs> animal that no one knows what type of animal or freaking alien it is it's a chupacabra (laughs) (laughs) so talk about that for a second man talk about purpose and passion okay those are two different things by the way so purpose is like this uh mascot for the phillies for the philadelphia phillies this green fluffy weird looking creature was the mascot for like 20 years or something like that right imagine dude like you're you're a mascot uh wearing a costume in front of a, a stadium of 60 70,000 people and that's your career right but now he put his purpose into his work and so now off of that he created a mascot college dude a mascot college where mascot uh aspirational people <laughs> i don't even know what you call those right yeah uh go attend these uh mascot colleges it's like clown circus like circus college or something like that And now he has awards and he's like a legend within the mascot industry. Wow. Right? So imagine like he makes a great living. He's a legend in his industry and he's providing a platform for people to master their craft. Right? Now, if you were telling me, oh, he's a mascot, you would kind of like be like, 
That dude's a mascot, yeah. dude, right? But imagine his purpose and the type of impact that he's made. And because of that, because he's added so much value, he's provided uh, solved problems, you know, for all the mascot aspiring people, right? That he makes a freaking great living doing that. And he's living in his purpose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's one of those things too. And what's beautiful about that to me at least is like, you know, you have these certain sorts of jobs that are generally looked down upon more mm-hmm. than others, right? It's janitor, it's mascot, it's garbage man, yeah. it's, you know, all this different stuff. And I feel like the power and the and the beauty in that is sort of saying, oh, yeah, well, you can make fun of me for being a mascot all you want. <sighs> check this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? yep. Yeah. And then you launch a giant uh, course teaching everybody how to be mascots and like, start killing it and you own it mm-hmm. you like you own what that is mm-hmm. and and you sort of thwart those those perceptions um you know and there's tens of thousands of people that have jobs like that mm-hmm. and you know they, they shouldn't feel bad about what they're doing like it, it's very strange where you sort of allow and it's it's up to the individual right like in stoicism it's it's up to you to to allow or disallow people's thoughts from influencing who you think you are no oh, m- most definitely and that guy just said fuck yourself yeah <laughs> you know it's awesome yeah and he's t- he's counting checks every single month yep. you know what i mean <laughs> inducting people into the mascot hall of fame I'm, th- I'm telling you, he has a mascot hall of fame. Really? See, you and I are, are, are such weird people. Awesome. I look into stuff like this. See, awesome. I research this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you talked about passion too, right, Nick? And I think that people are taking that word passion way too lightly. Like you want to know who lived out his passion it was a real American gangster, John Brown. And so he was an abolitionist a white dude, an abolitionist from the 1850s when the slavery was going on. And he was a white American dude who was an abolitionist who hated pacifism. So meaning that he would clown on people who march and say anti-slavery. And he's like, F that dude, I'm gonna go get some guns. I'm gonna arm all my five sons and we're gonna go in and shoot these freaking slave owners to send them a message, right? So passion is like, people are like, I'm so passionate about LeBron and the Lakers. Mm. Yeah, dude passion means are you willing to suffer and die for your message dude right and i'm not a religious dude but passion of the christ like look at that he freaking died for his message so i want you guys you know whoever's listening to to say oh what's my passion passion is something that you're willing to freaking die for dude yeah it's that level of commitment right it is it's easy to say oh yeah i'm really passionate about watching the nfl or like you said like lebron or whatever it's like are you yeah are you though? Are you com- are you actually committed to that? Or when LeBron goes and plays for the Clippers or the yeah. Orlando Magic or some shit, you're like, "Fuck that guy! He's yeah. Such a god!" You know, exactly. Because dude. you're not you're not actually committed. Hell you're not no. actually passionate. Like commitment is a is a very strong indicator of, mm-hmm. of if you're actually passionate about yeah. something. Yeah, exactly, Nick. So this dude John Brown, he freaking fought against slave owners, against his own peeps, against white people, right? And he went in and, and, and went after this uh, Potawatomi massacre stuff. Uh, his freaking sons were murdered in the case and he got hung to death. Wow. Right? And so that he can stand for freaking uh, freedom. And so half, the, half Americans were like, this dude's an American terrorist. Whereas the other half were like, wow, this is like the, the beginning of, of freedom for Americans, for, for black Americans. Right. That to me is passion, man. Like that really de- redefines it. Am I really passionate about what I say I am? calls you out 
Yeah, and that's, you know, some, some parallel to be drawn with sort of the U.S. military and, and the enlisted men, right? Like yes. when you're, you know, we have an all-volunteer army in this country. You're, you're not mandated to take military service. And, you know, in, in this country, there is a very good likelihood you're getting deployed to a war zone mm-hmm. and, you know, the chance of death goes up pretty high <laughs> and and you know that going into it and you sign up and you're like i want to be a marine you know yeah. or whatever branch you're you're going into and that alone carries with it so many crazy negative externalities but um you know sort of the, the passion for what they believe in the passion for freedom and, and protecting their country and everything else supersedes that you know they're willing to take that commitment to the next level and, and risk dying and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of members of my family that were in the u.s military and um you know, it's my, my great uncle died in Vietnam, mm. you know, when he was 17, Jeez. you know, he told my, my grandma that came over from Northern Europe, you know, he's like, I really want to go into the Navy. And she's like, obviously no. Mm. Um, Cause when you're 17, you can't just join the army, you know, the Navy or any, any branch of the military, you have to get your parents permission because you're a minor. And so he convinced her to sign Holy the paperwork. Crap. And you know, it was like three months later, you know, he, he was gone. Oh man. Yeah. That's insane. A yeah. child, that's a child, man. It's a child. Self-conscious, not even fully developed, you know what I mean? 17. That's young. Well, much love and respect to him, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Damn. Right. So as I'm looking at this uh, amazing sign, Nick, what's the <laughs> Nick Ingers Ingersoll show about? Dude, it's just about it's just about chatting with cool and interesting people, man. You know, I wanted it to be sort of an open forum. It's something I wanted to do for a long time. I've been listening to podcasts since you know, 2011. Uh, I was a pretty pretty early adopter, and um, you know, especially when my dad passed away in 2013. Um, you know, podcasts were very cathartic for me. Um, you know, it was one of those things where I've just derived so much value from a variety of different podcasts. Uh, and I just feel like I need to sort of contribute into that cultural ecosphere in some meaningful way and, um, you know, replenish the karmatic value I have extracted and put some back in there. So um, that that's essentially what the purpose of it is and um really just having cool people on to chat about whatever i want or they want or or whatever it is you know it's a super open forum and um you know just just chatting about shit man sure man it's it's beautiful though man i've seen even just uh, within the last two three years how much you've progressed and seeing you and seeing you going on all these nice freaking european vacations <laughs> bro vacations are, okay okay <laughs> whatever you call it man it looked nice bro so it's just like <laughs> no but when you went to spain and you're on that yacht what do you call that though um that was yeah. actually a vacation uh-huh. okay so i wasn't wrong you were absolutely not wrong about see? that see see so <laughs> i i do my research bro right uh, I'm, a, I'm a nick ingersoll fan i'm an admirer of this dude he's also my peer mentor but we're also damn good friends man so yeah. nick dude I'm, I'm freaking like i'm <clears throat> loving your life man yeah well, well likewise you know it's it's cool to have friends that are also doing really cool shit um, because it also keeps you inspired. You know, mm-hmm. I think that um, having that, that growth mindset of, of seeing your friends do well and being, ex- and being inspired with what they're doing. Like, you know, when, when we first met and I did your podcast three years ago or so, and uh, you had this fucking drone, bro. And you're like, yeah, ride the motorcycle. There's a drone following me. Like all this crazy shit. Four was, dudes. Yeah. You got a, you got a squad with you, dude. And I was just like, dude, Carrie's fucking doing some crazy shit. Like that was awesome. That, that 
absolutely was inspiring to watch, um, you know, and, and, and every day just getting inspired by your friends. And I think some people, you know, they, they get stuck in the cycle of when their friends are doing well, they feel like they need to tear them back down, mm. you know? And if you have anybody in your life like that, you need to chop them off, chop them off the friendship team, you know, um, because there's, there's just so much white space to be inspired. Like it's going to make you better if you just change the way you perceive those types of things. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard to, especially when you have a heart, right? (laughs) It's not the the easiest thing to just be, all right, you're done. You're done. And I think the, the, the biggest, uh, the bifurcation occurs when you just have to be a person who makes decisions, dude. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's all the, the biggest issue for people I see it is just like, okay, one more chance for this person. Yeah. You know? Just maybe, maybe they'll change. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe they'll change this year. Right. <sighs> they'll get 20, by 2020, I'll give them another. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Because I'm such a loyal person. <laughs> yeah. You know, I see the good in everybody. I, I'm calling Oof. myself out. That's, that was me. Right. And that was my biggest problem. There's a lot man. of people, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to do too. Like, you know, maybe it's your family members. <laughs> maybe it's some of your childhood friends. Maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a whatever, you know? Like, I would imagine that the majority of people have done that at least at the, at the bare minimum in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that didn't continue to be relationships, of course. But it's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, things are kind of going whatever, but they're going to change. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. change that person. I can change the situation. And the reality is that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They say uh, your friends will support you all the way up until you succeed, right? <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't succeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll support you as long as you don't succeed. There's a lot of that going on. I mean, I see it in my freaking, I see it like complete change, even within the way the, uh, the social media engagement has, right. has surfaced. I, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 Big time. So how, what's your mindset that maybe you could coach me on that too, because I, I have a hard time with that just to see, wow, it's changed and it's shifted. I'm starting to see engagement and support from a certain type of people. And I'm, I'm always going to focus on that because there's no time wasting dwelling on, you know, the negativity, but uh, just what, what crosses your mind and how do you break free from that? Break free from sort of the the negative infiltration of of engagement along with everybody that that likes what you're doing that kind of thing. No, just how do you no? Because obviously we we're going to continue to go off of no, the of positive the positivity. But yeah. uh, what's your mindset when you feel? Because you could feel stuff through the internet. You could yeah. feel stuff through your Instagram and your Facebook, right? Yeah, that's true. And I just want to know, like, maybe you could coach me. I could learn yeah. something from you, like how you proceed. Yeah, man. I think that, um, <clears throat> and of course, you know, I've been on social media for so long and, you know, all the way back into MySpace and BuddyPick.com. Yeah. Shout out to BuddyPick.com. It's still on the internet somehow. Wow. Um, it was, that was, uh, it was like a forum site, like mm-hmm. before there was actual social media. Um, but you had a profile. It was the craziest thing. But anyway, um, you know, for me, and, and, you know, you do get a fair amount of hate no matter what you do, yeah. right? And, and actually, the bigger uh, and, and better you do things in life in general, um, you know, you will, you will get proportionally more negative comments and activity than, mm-hmm. than you will um, positive, right? Like, and it's also really easy for people to just focus on the negative stuff. And there's a couple of different ways to, to deal with it. The way that I like to deal with it one is, um, you know, if, if you're in person um, and, you know, the types of neighborhoods that I grew up in and lived in for a long time, like if I saw you, I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. nice shoes. I like those shoes. Mm-hmm. Look like they're my size. 
give me your shoes. Like yeah. that's, that's where the conversation yeah. goes. Uh-huh. And so the way you stop, stop that is you have to be really fucking aggressive back. Right. But online it doesn't, it doesn't work because there is no physical altercation yeah. alternative like that. That is not an option when you're just dealing with people mm-hmm. online. Um, so usually what I do is I just, uh, I, I go the complete opposite route. Like if someone is like trying to be negative at all, I just give them like almost like I'm in a romantic relationship with them. Nice. Like extreme love. Mm-hmm. Like extreme love like so, so it almost makes them feel awkward like awkward yeah, yeah. give me like, an example like you know if um if somebody says uh you know you're a, you're a shit eating whatever mm-hmm. the fuck right mm-hmm. um and be like you know what i just am so thankful that you're in my life <laughs> i love you so much for your comments keep them coming I like that, you know? dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but they catch the sarcasm in that, or are they like more like, what? What the hell? No, I would love it if they would. And then you know they come in again. I'm like, honestly, like much love. Mm. Like I love you, like I love all of humanity. Man, like, that's keep big. doing your and you know, and it's like that's all you can really do sometimes. And I do feel like you have to you have to curate what you see mm-hmm. on online and not compare yourself to where other people are mm-hmm. you know yeah um and like you said too right like you only see the good shit mm-hmm. Ain't nobody posting about all the bad shit that's happening throughout the year yeah or if they do you know maybe it's real or mm-hmm. maybe it's also an attention getting strategy mm-hmm. to cry for help right whatever yeah yeah absolutely man yeah what kind of things do you see right now in, in sort of that social media ecosphere and and where that is I, all going? I haven't seen too much I think it's just a lot of them are they they have a place to just strut their stuff and and appear to be strong right um but but honestly I don't I don't pay I used to be very like critical self-critical when I would hear and see things like that but man I've I've learned so much just from um, all the, the amazing people are just crushing it out there and they actually have fun with it man you know and uh one of the things for me is just like saying no more yeah because i would always just say yes or people say hey can you can you do this yes right hey can you help a brother out i'm kind of hurting financially Uh, yes right but uh this past weekend i was i was watching this man named uh, dan fleischman speak he's like this uh the, the youngest public found publicly traded company founder or something like that a brilliant dude, but he said, A, the quickest way to say no to people is to say yes, because 95% of people don't even follow through. Mm, interesting. And I was like, wow, that's really good. That's really good, man. Meaning if somebody asks you for a favor and you just say yes and they just forget. Yeah, or, or yeah, well, f- someone in your position, be like, they always want to collaborate or, or you know, pitch you on something, right? And you just say, okay, yeah, 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 send it. Yep. <laughs> <And> 95% <laughs> probably even won't. Right? Yeah, or if they do, true. it's just it puts you in a position where like, oh, we're not interested in this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's a good point, actually, because <clears throat> so long as you say uh, yes to something, you always have the option to say no. Mm, that's good. I mean, you always have the option to say no. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, door is open. Right. Mm-hmm. Walk in. All right. You got to leave. Kick him out. Shut the door. Yeah. No big deal. Dude, that's what's up, man. Yeah. So how do you? So now, so do you, would you say that the the biggest way to to help you stay? Uh, inspired is is just by watching your peers or do you have like uh, things that not too many people think of that allow you to get to that space? Yeah, I think for me, man, it's like, it's a strange thing that I've always had in me is to just create new and different shit all the time. Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of what 
keeps i just enjoy it like i thoroughly enjoy it like you may thoroughly enjoy watching baseball or Dude, you know totally. whatever the fuck you do yeah. you know yeah um but for me it's like i really love doing one of two things generally speaking it's uh, and, and maybe maybe it's a tertiary one in there but it's learning new skills mm. constant and consistent skill acquisition mm-hmm. languages computer languages like designing new and different shit um you know just trying to like sharpen a skill or learn a new skill and then also just creating something out of nothing mm-hmm. sort of thinking of something in in my brain mm-hmm. and then making that happen in physical reality yeah that's one thing that um just i just love to do and so it's just like this internal motivation that never really goes away yeah um and i think that the third thing that is maybe a subsection of both of those is doing hard stuff mm. right like just doing hard shit is also really rewarding, you know, like, Hey, I'm just going to go into the forest for a week to a place I've never been and hope I don't get eaten by a bear. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'll bring the pistol or the bear spray and like, I I know what I'm doing out there, but like, or like 10 hyenas at once, 10 hyenas at once, (laughs) you know, you go do that or, you know, like if if you've never done jujitsu, like go take a jujitsu class. It is going to be so hard and miserable the first time you get on that mat. It is just going to, I mean, destroy any any semblance of ego that you think you have, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? And so it's just like doing hard stuff is so rewarding so long as you can see it through. And I think that when people see something that is hard, they want to take the path of least resistance instead. But long term, that doesn't give you the same sort of reward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I feel like when you do that though you 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 go into that with with a proper mindset like when i say when you say well go and do some hard shit right someone listening like okay well i'm going to do this but they don't have the capacity to think further what they're trying to get out of it in the beginning you know what i mean absolutely how would you walk them through that so we say the end in mind have a have an end in mind as to why you're doing this hard what does it mean to you what are you going to focus on like what how does that look like yeah i think that some of it is just just prove to yourself that you can do it you don't have to prove to anybody else you're accountable to no one Mm -hmm. but yourself you're not accountable to your god you're not accountable to your mom Mm -hmm. you're not accountable to your friends or anybody else you're accounted you're accountable to yourself and yourself only and if you can prove to to yourself that you can get through something hard you will feel that reward like as soon as you prioritize your perception of who you are Mm -hmm. then then when you complete something really hard it's like fuck yeah i did that shit you know like even the other day i was i was on my motorcycle and uh, i knew it was gonna rain Mm -hmm. i didn't know how bad it was gonna rain Mm -hmm. but i'm like ah whatever i'll Mm -hmm. roll the dice so i'm on the freeway in the rain on my motorcycle not the best thing to do especially in los angeles Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like drizzling and i'm like yeah you know i I like the challenge of me being able to do this right now and then as soon as i'm done i'm like you damn right i can do that right Mm -hmm. and then a downpour happened massive winds 50 Mm -hmm. mile an hour gusts Mm -hmm. downpour of rain and the same thought went through my head be safe but i'm just gonna get through it like Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna persevere and do it and then once i got off the bike and got dry I was like, yeah, that's right. I can do that shit. How do you have to readjust when it rains? I mean, you're talking about less visibility for other cars to see or hear you. 
Yeah. You have to, I'm, I'm assuming you got to like crouch low or at least have more of like a balance awareness, right? With, with that, like balance. there's hydroplaning. <laughs> How does that work, man? Bro, it's sketchy. You got to reduce your speed, increase your following distance from the nearest vehicle in front of you. Get in the slower lane. Don't switch lanes a lot. Don't lean a bunch because the hydroplaning will fall on your ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you know, when the rain is just smashing you in the face, in the, in the helmet, you don't really see much because you don't have windshield wipers on your yeah. <laughs> on your mask yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude see that's another crazy story is that you've already been in two motorcycle accidents <laughs> and 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 you and every time i see that i'm like see that's why i never freaking touch bikes bro yeah and i asked you so are you done with bikes and you're like hell no <laughs> Right. So that's another level of not only like commitment, um, that's another freaking paradigm shift that yeah. you have to be having. Like what, or what are you addicted to the, to the, the, the freaking rush or is it, what no. is it just another challenge? Do you not see that, that you're blessed to freaking be a lot? Like, what is it, man? I don't I understand. Know, right? Help me understand, bro. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's like, it's, it's definitely not the adrenaline rush because I ride a motorcycle every day. So for me, um, you know, the adrenaline piece of it is kind of, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I do enjoy it. It is enjoyable to do. Um, but it's also like, I'm just not going to let any outside forces influence what makes me do anything mm-hmm. or makes me happy mm-hmm. you know yeah and if that thing is death so be it if that thing is whatever it doesn't matter like i think that i'll be fine like i generally have a pretty optimistic outlook on on things generally speaking and also myself and you know my daily existence where i'm going um and so i feel like yeah you know what i'm not gonna die in a motorcycle accident i'm just not going to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm evidence from the past would point towards the opposite um you know but but it is true like after the second one it was a little bit scarier mm-hmm. um the first one i got knocked unconscious mm-hmm. i went head first into a vehicle t-bone style and my head was was legitimately fucked up for a, a long period mm-hmm. of time you mm-hmm. know some some real real bad concussion situations um and then fortunately on the second one i didn't hit my head that hard but you know, I, I did have a fractured L1 vertebrae and I had some uh, pulmonary edema, right? And some, if you have a blood clot in your lungs, go straight to your heart and you're dead and all that shit. And, you know, the look on the doctor's faces when I was in the ER, they were very concerned. Jeez, um, you know, so so in that sense, yeah, you know, that, that one was um, a little more scary, I think, than, than the previous one. But again, I feel like I'm just going to be fine. Dude, uh, I feel it, man. And I think it's very genuine, dude. And you said it, man. At the end of the day, you said it, man. Like, it makes me happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so whether it's a motorcycle accident, whether we get hit by a vending machine and we die, right? (laughs) Dude, here's the thing, man. Like, I I will never forget this moment. (laughs) Oh, so speaking of vending machine, you know why I say that? Why is that? You know why I say that? It's because people freaking go for the lotto, right? So how, Nick, I, I think I remember this. How much would you say people spend, Americans, okay, buying lottery tickets? Would you say it's 73 million, 730 million, or $7.3 billion? Uh, per year? Yeah. In Americans. Uh-huh. I would say it's in the billions. So 7.3 billion? Yeah. 70.3 billion. Uh, so the point I said is you have 
a one in 300 million chance of hitting the lotto. And I think being killed by a vending machine was like <laughs> one out of like 200 million or something. So you have a better opportunity of getting <laughs> killed by a vending machine than hitting the lotto, bro. Look, no disrespect to anybody's loved ones who's been murdered by a vending machine. Right. But how does the fuck that happen? Dude, how does I don't, that happen? I don't understand, man. But those are real statistics that I recently researched and heard. Wow. I'm telling you, I, I've researched weird stuff, but it's, it, it goes for good content, though, man. It does. You know, one of those things that I was researching is uh, shark attacks, mm-hmm. because I think sharks are fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so it's like, oh, but your chances of getting killed by a shark are like one in fucking some like giant number. Yeah. But also, how many people are in the water? Yeah, dude. Like, and, and how often do we hear about it? Every year we hear yeah. about it, right? It's just one too many damn times a Dude, year. that statistic is assuming all these motherfuckers that are not in the water. Exactly. So if everybody lived it, in the water, yeah. then what kind of odds oh are we talking God, about? Oh my God, we're talking... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, one in 50,000 maybe? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a trip. That's, a, that's one, one thing I'm afraid of, man. I can't even see my legs. I don't know what's floating under there, dude, right? Dude, it's just a, it's a, it's a prehistoric mm-hmm. <clears throat> fucking dinosaur mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with like a million teeth in its mouth. Yep, yep, yep. So scary. Yeah, it is. Like grizzly bears are scary. Okay. Ugh, right? Grizzly bears, that's another thing, dude. But sharks are just mindless killing machines. Yeah. Marauding yeah. fucking killing machines. And imagine that feeling that just takes you down into the water after <sighs> that. Ugh, God, no yeah. thanks. Humans are just so weak, dude. Right. We're just so, like, our skin tears easy. Uh-huh. You know, like, a chimp, quarter of our size could just pick you up, throw mm-hmm. throw a 300-pound man, no problem. Yep. <laughs> yep. Have you seen those bald chimps? Oh, yeah, the ones dude. with mange? Ma- yeah. Oh, my <sighs> God, those guys are like... Oh yeah, yeah. It'll rip our freaking neck off, straight like up. peeling, like us peeling a banana. Yeah, <laughs> peeling the skin off of your head. <laughs> yeah, dude. Exactly. It's true. Yeah, there was exactly. um. I went to this. Uh, it's like this animal sanctuary now, but it was all these animals that used to be in movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they're all highly trained for the most part. You know, they played the parts in like Doctor Doolittle or whatever. And there was um you know we're walking around there's lions right there's this gigantic tiger there's bears of all kinds there's a eurasian bear there's a brown bear there's a black bear there's like all these different crazy animals there's like a bear cat and like tiny little monkeys and this lion was just pacing like just he was hiding he was crouched down watching us walk by and the guy points over he goes you see that lion over there He's stalking you. Oh my God. He wants to eat you. I'm like, oh shit, bro. Mm -hmm. And so we keep walking and then we get to this other cage. He goes, as scary as the lion was, Mm -hmm. these are the most dangerous animals here. And it's a cage of four chimps. Oh my gosh. And they got fangs, dude. Bro, they are like, you know, big as fuck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're all against the cage, super duper smart. So they're up against the cage, looking at us, waving to us and like doing the stuff and like playing with a barrel. And, and, and he goes, you cannot get within, uh, 10 feet of this cage Mm -hmm. because they will lure you in, grab your arm and rip your fucking arm off. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So as soon as he says that I'm watching the girls or the, uh, chimps in the cage rather. And this one's just kind of looking at me and this is an older one, right? He's got like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's uh chin on its hand Mm -hmm. and just kind of looking at me. And so I'm kind of waving at it. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. looking at me and I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is the weirdest interaction I've ever had with any other animal. And then it, it looks down, grabs an apple, and rolls it oh my God. under the cage right to me. Baiting you. Baiting me in. Oh so then I grab the apple. I'm looking at the apple, and no one else sees this. 
So I'm looking over at the dude. And he's talking to everybody else. I'm like, nobody else seeing this shit right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, hey man, hey man, uh, <laughs> Champ just threw me an apple. What should I do? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, she probably wants to play or lure you in and yeah. eat you genitals mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh my god. Yeah. 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 Get try to get up by that European freaking kielbasa Straight sauce. Straight up, saying? bro. Yeah. Trying to get some of that sashimi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. But dude, they are fierce. Yeah, what was your experience been with sort of the media world? And you know, you had a, a team. Um, you do a lot of stuff on your solo too. Yeah. Um, in various different formats, right? Video, yeah. audio, mm-hmm. speaking, everything. Blog. Blog, yeah. like all this stuff. What what's that experience been like for you? And if someone's thinking about doing something like that, like what are the couple pieces of advice you'd give them on on how to start and keep going with it? I recently like you know how you talked about how you want to learn new tricks and do that um i recently really got into editing myself and so talking about i had a big team not big i had five i had two photographers i had a video guy a social media guy and uh, we went around uh, filmed and took uh, captured footage and, and curated content of fine amazing individuals like nick right as 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 well as other say athletes and entrepreneurs and uh, I really wanted it to be like the vice, the new vice or like the, the Vayner media uh, for my industry, which is uh, fitness and personal development. So those are the two things that keep me inspired every single day is personal development, like you like learning something and uh, um, researching weird stuff that I can apply towards my own growth and what I could share with my audience and fitness and jujitsu, right? That's, that's been the bread and butter. So how can I, uh, how can you, all right, master your craft and in the process, add value to other people. And so obviously, more people are more comfortable in front of the camera or say audio. Uh, I'm not a writer, even though I wrote a book. I'm not a writer. But if, if writing is your thing, then go deep. Because uh, do you know who Evan Carmichael is? He's uh, the top 10. of he, On YouTube, search anything top 10. That's his channel. And so um, that's another thing. Right? So all he did was create top 10s and cu- curated uh, all the best content from, say, Tony Robbins. And the next next would be Nick Ingersoll. The next would be Damon John. The next would be uh, freaking Robert Kiyosaki, whatever, right? And he created his own platform where now he has uh, like 2 million subscribers, makes a full-time living, speaks on everyone's platform while does his own. He has his own workshop and masterminds. And so a focus on what you're good at become an expert at it, create content, and my next post on social media is gonna be, is it too late? That's what everyone's asking, is it too late? Nick, is it too late to start a podcast right now? There's no saturation at the top. That's right. If you see, it's always Gary V, the freaking all the, the same names because there's no saturation at the top. There's only a few people who are killing it, and dude, Eagles, don't fly with seagulls, right? All the saturation is at the freaking bottom, dude. Yeah. So as long as you're out there creating content, and it's, it's going to suck in the beginning, right? But you could always delete your stuff, right? <laughs> um, man, like when I first started, it was so bad, dude. I mean, there's still some stuff that I post today that's still kind of cringeworthy, right? Of but, course. But the, the, the public perception is like, wow, Carrie, you're out there killing it. Well, I've been doing it myself, and now you're on a solo mission yourself too. Luckily, you know we're in a position where we can 
we can now bounce off of each other. And I could be like, Nick, dude, I got this other guy, Brian, Mc, you know, Brian McD, uh, Mellon, you should have him on your podcast, dude. He's a freaking solid, solid entrepreneur with a huge uh, leveraged out platform for himself, you know, and, and we're only going to connect. So the more you get out there, the more connections you're going to have, the more valuable assets that you're going to be able to allocate towards every platform that you decide to go on. You know, and so, um, again, there's no such thing as saturation when you're at the top. Yeah. And how do you get to the top? You just got to keep working. There's not that much saturation at the top. There's no saturation at the top. It's a very interesting concept, isn't it? It is. It's a very interesting concept. And even in sort of the decentralized versions, especially, right? Mm-hmm. Like you think about your top podcasts mm-hmm. or your top YouTube channels or your top whatevers. There's really not that much saturation at the cream. No, there isn't. Right? Like when you fill up like a glass of something and there's cream at the top, mm-hmm. there's a very little cream relative to the liquid below mm-hmm. once it settles, you know? That's a great analogy, man. Like mm-hmm. that cream is not, there's, there's not, there's not that much of it. Mm. You know, that is, the cream is that outer layer of Joe Rogan's podcast or a, a handful of NPR ones or Ferris's mm-hmm. or whatever. And then below that is where everything is saturated. That's where all of the volume is. And, and all the volume, those are the ones who do it for a few months and they quit and they come back to do it again, to come back, all oh, they switch, they pivoted, so now they have new content. Yeah, It's all those people, but the ones who are at the top, the ones that I used to see, four, five, six, even our friends, even our friends who started YouTube <laughs> channels six, seven years ago, all of them are at the top right now, Matt. My yeah. personal friends. My personal friends are all at the top because they kept doing it, dude. Yeah. They never veered from their vision. Now you take back, you know, a few steps back here and there, small hiatus here and there. You go through your own shit, right? You go through some cloudy times in life. You get right back up and you still hone in on your expertise, especially if your message is for un underserved audience. You will quickly become the expert in that field, man. Yeah, it's consistency, right? I feel like some people, they don't give whatever they're trying. They don't give it enough time, mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, like mm-hmm. may, if you go into it with the mind and, and people say, well, what's the goal with the podcast? Like, what, what is the goal? And I'm like, the goal mm-hmm. is to talk to cool and interesting people. Yeah. Because I like to do it. Thank that's, you. That's the goal. That's, that's the, goal. the only goal. And so if that translates into getting a lot of subscribers or reviews mm-hmm. or sponsors or whatever, yeah. great. Great. But I've already accomplished my goal. I'm accomplishing my goal right, right now. now. That's exactly it. And dude. since that's the goal, like I'm going to be consistent because I just genuinely like to do it. And that makes you happy. That's right. And, and here's the thing as entrepreneurs, as personal brands, as people who are getting after their shit, that should be your number one impetus. Is it making you happy? Yeah. Right? You know what, dude, Nick? The last few years have been all these loud social media influencers who have completely numbed that out, my happiness. It was all about freaking work your face off. You got to freaking like hustle and grind and no sleep. Like sleep is bullshit, right? And it's like, dude, that. Have you noticed the people who said all that are now coming back and saying, no, you got to align with your purpose, self-awareness, <laughs> happiness. They're all coming back to that. Yeah. Dude, I see it. And I, I wouldn't drop any names. True. But off, 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 off this, I yeah. will, we'll drop those names. But I've seen a few myself. Exactly. So now it all comes down to, yo, it's no longer about the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit is happiness. That's right. The pursuit is, is happiness. happiness. 
Think about that. And there's, think about it, man. Like if you and I die right now, if a vending machine came from the second (laughs) floor and crushed, crushed both of us, there would be no regrets because we were doing what we freaking love, dude. That's right. It's connecting with amazing people who fill our cups up every single day with freaking inspiration, with love, with motivation, with integrity, with ethics. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And there, so, so there's this one dude, I was in New York at this private mastermind, right? Before this whole mastermind stuff came out of, out of freaking everywhere. And um, the dude said, hey, listen, man, there's no such thing. There's no such a thing as a bad way to die if you're living a damn good life. Like there's no such thing as a bad death if you live a good life. Yeah. And how do we measure a good life is like if we're truly happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's true. And, uh, and there's variables and levels of happiness. But, dude, when you feel that joy, dude, that's wealth. You got to capture that shit like a pokeball and just keep it with you. Yes, Always. Dude. Because then you just open it up and deploy your fucking Mewtwo wherever you go. Mm-hmm. You know? It's mm-hmm. like when you, when you ask people that are really old, and I had this friend uh, named Bob, and mm-hmm. you know, I was fortunate enough to know him. He was born in 1922. Wow. And he died last year. And, um, you know, I, I became a friend with him because I rented out a very small office from him, uh, like on top of his house um, when I first moved to L.A. when we couldn't afford a legitimate office. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I would take him to his doctor appointments a couple times a month and things like that, you know, and just help him out. And, um, you know, so I saw him slowly deteriorate in his late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and but his his brain was always very sharp. He was a very smart guy. Uh, you know, he was in the military, he was a mechanical engineer, all these different things. And, you know, he had just infinite amounts of advice for me. And he said two things that will probably forever stick with me. It's when you're young, take the risks and have fun and travel as much as humanly possible. Cause it's harder to do the older you get. Yep. And he also said, don't regret anything. Mm. he said all the people he's like look all my family is dead mm-hmm. he didn't have any family left mm-hmm. all of his friends were dead he outlived everyone he mm-hmm. outlived his wife by 20 years and he said what all of the the saddest part of watching any of those people go is that they had regretted not doing things mm. and like you're saying like you got to enjoy the pursuit the mm-hmm. pursuit is happiness. Yes. And, you know, if you don't feel like you're on the pursuit, you better get on one of some kind. Mm-hmm. doesn't even matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And go into it with the goal of enjoying it. <laughs> like, that's the goal. You know? Yeah. The goal is not a billion dollars. The no. goal is enjoying doing whatever it is. Yeah. And if you happen to make a billion, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. you're talking about with wealth and money and the differences between those. And I think it's it's a super important concept. I think people do tend to get wrapped up. And you know, I think our culture in the U.S. at least is is very focused on sort of, you know, being flashy yeah. and 22-inch rims yeah. and like, you know, making it rain and yeah. shit like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that maps to long-term mm-hmm. happiness. No, not at all. Now, now, I would say this. I think it's safe for a guy like you and I to say, well, you know what? That is still pursuit. Because we get to add value. We get to improve the quality of the type of work that we do. And we get to go shopping for more things that are valuable for our family and, our, and, and the community that we serve. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the more money that we hurt, have and earn is more the quality that we could put back into our, our work 
the type of stuff that we do, what we can create to add more value and to help people solve more of their problems. We get to add so much more to that with money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you, if you put the, if you put money in the hands of like a, a war mongering mm-hmm. dictator, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to blow up the earth. Yeah. And if you put money in the hands of someone who's gen- like genuinely kind, they're going to do amazing things with those things, with those dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It just amplifies your, your trueness, right? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah, that's right. But I do think though that because Nick, I come from such a background, like dude, I come, I have a ministry background, bro. Yeah. Both my grandparents were freaking ministries. Wow. I, I'm sorry, missionaries. Mission- oh, whoa. They're missionaries. Right, they're both world traveling missionaries. Whoa. So I say this now because I grew up saying, nah, dude, money's nothing. You know, money means nothing. I just want to freaking give and serve and, and live a meager life. And I realized that that wasn't fulfilling my fullest potential. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And so the last five to seven years have really been about, you can serve your mission, you can live in your purpose, and why not try to become the wealthiest person that you can be so that you can add that much more value to your ecosystem. That's right. Not to get the freaking bling bling, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not to get the bling, it's to get the freedom. The freedom is the ability to decide who, what, when, where, why, and how on your terms. That's right. Who wouldn't want that, dude? Right? You want the freedom to like go work out anytime you want? Mm-hmm. Right. Gotta have some gotta have some cheddar in the bank. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. Zen's not gonna freaking help you close uh, help your your family out with their funeral expenses. Exactly right. You know what I'm exactly saying? Exactly right. And and Nick, dude, what hurts me the most, what's so painful to see now is to see people in desperation starting GoFundMe accounts on on Facebook because there's been a, a uh, unforeseeable death or someone's going through some crap you know what i mean they have to start a gofundme it puts everyone in a kind of like a awkward situation right yeah and i said dude freaking like that pains me to see that and i want to be in a situation where i don't ever have to be in that situation dude yeah man you know i was in that situation i didn't uh start a gofundme or anything because i could never do that mm-hmm. i would never allow myself to ask for help in that way um but you know when my dad passed away in my early 20s um and my brother was in his early 20s as well like there were no dollars you know he, he died penniless he had mm-hmm. he had 200 bucks in a bank account and um you know some guns that we had to sell mm-hmm. to try and pay for some of the funeral expenses <clears throat> but you know those things are expensive there's no life insurance there was nothing and so you know i just took out a ton of credit card debt you know for 10 grand in, in credit card debt just to um just to pay for the basic basic uh funeral preparations and and that is definitely not something you want to find yourself in yeah, that's not that's right you got to avoid that kind of thing at all costs mm-hmm. and you know and again it's like life is short so enjoy that shit and i think a lot in large part you know the fitness thing at least for me is something that i really enjoy mm-hmm. like it really not not just because you know it makes you look better mm-hmm. or makes you stronger or more fit or you know more stamina anything like that um although it does all those things it's also it has this crazy effect on your brain mm-hmm. and you've you, you've personally trained a, a ton of different people mm-hmm. like do you see that transformation in those people that you know they maybe weren't an athlete they were working out and then now that they've been through this program and, and you coaching them that 
has that transformed them in, in some meaningful way? That's the number one breakthrough that I personally get the most joy from is watching people see that mindset shift in their own self-belief and self-confidence. So becoming fit is just a byproduct now. To get compliments from people and say, man, so-and-so, do you look freaking good, dude? Right? Or you've shed some pounds and now you can move a lot better. That's just a byproduct. What I see the seismic shift is in for them to start believing themselves again. Because at the end of the day, you talked about this crazy, like, it's, it's, it's internal, right? It's you experience a, a, a new level of self-confidence that people overlook. And so fitness, even like when people are going through depression, I say, dude, go work out. Or go do something that's going to like just instantly give you new insights to what's possible. Yeah. Right? Because self-confidence at the end of the day is what's going to drive you to do better in everything else. If you're, a self, if you're confident, you're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better instructor. You're going to be a better entrepreneur if you're confident, right? But if you're at a place where you have zero of that, you're not going to prevail in anything, dude. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And you know, it's probably something that, that jujitsu does, too, in, yes. in a lot of ways, right? It, like, it does instill the confidence in and you. And the self-worth. And the self-worth that, like, you have mastered this craft. Oh, and also, if it does come to a physical confrontation of some kind, mm-hmm. or if there is one maybe about to happen, you're so confident in your abilities that oftentimes, A, it will just completely diffuse, mm-hmm. right? Because when you're, when someone's, you know, barking like a dog and they're, <laughs> and then Carrie's standing there just like, yeah, man, relax. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Usually it'll immediately diffuse the situation. Mm-hmm. And if someone attacks you, you also have the confidence um, that you can handle sh- yourself in that environment. And, I think that physical fitness and, and things like jujitsu do insta- install crazy confidence algorithms in, in your brain. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's phenomenal. It's astronomical for someone's personal growth, man. Absolutely. Right? There's, it's, there's a reason why, um, of all people, like if, if I were to ask you, Nick, and there's no right or wrong answers on this one, right? It's just my, perspe- my perspective on this, but who would you say is the greatest personal trainer or fitness mogul that that you've seen in our time Ooh, loaded question i like it name a few Mm. drop maybe two three at the most names Uh, okay i would say um probably the biggest one at scale um and granted i don't uh, follow a ton of them um i would go arnold schwarzenegger okay makes sense i would say in our modern times joe rogan okay um, even though it doesn't try to do it, it's mm-hmm. like this crazy byproduct. And I would also say it is probably Elio Gracie. Wow. See, yeah. those are some deep ass answers, right? And I would, I would assume because, because uh, Joe Rogan revolutionized fitness in, in a different way where it's, it's not, I mean, Okay, so Arnold is, of course, Arnold, right? I mean, it's, it's the, 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 the best physical specimen that a human body can ever express, that type of form. It was art, body, he took bodybuilding to a whole new level, right? Elio Gracie brought a new art that is a, a, the art of, how would, you, how would you explain that? I would say it's, yeah, it's the, the gentle art. The gentle art. art, that's what I was yeah, trying to say. And also, it, it, you know, by, by virtue of, of him doing that, it also created the entire sport of mixed martial arts as we know it. Okay, got it. Okay. So now, 
th- those are fantastic, uh, not only answers, but a philosophy, right? I love that. And so my take, my take is that people would say, oh, well, Jillian Michaels or the guy who created P90X or oh, Tai Bo, you know, they, they'll, they'll mention like the obvious, but till this day, and people laugh at me for saying this, but the greatest personal trainer, fitness guru who's ever walked this freaking earth is Richard Simmons. Woo, baby, Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. You know why? Because he looked ridiculous. Yeah. Right? He had fluffy hair. He almost wore like a singlet, right, on stage. But what did he do, man? He took the most morbidly obese people in the world, not in the world, in the United States. We have an epidemic. And he was able to to turn their entire beliefs around. Because now it's easy to just be like, yeah, gym, man, freaking grind, fit fam, you know, quest bar, right? <laughs> bang energy drink quest and just bar. freaking knock it out, right? Welcome to the bang revolution. <laughs> exactly. But, but you don't see a dude like Richard Simmons who has a heart for the people who have just completely lost every bit of confidence in their own belief, in their own worth, in their own existence in the world. These fat old women and men who just look like they have no place on a fitness platform to go on the world stage. If you look, if you look up dance sweat into the eighties, dude, it's just Richard Simmons and like 30, 40 old freaking obese people just dancing and sweating and just revolutionizing their freaking mindset to be like, I believe in myself again. That is awesome. You know what I mean? And Richard was able to look these people in the eye and say, I believe in you. I have hope in you. And you should have hope for the future. And most people in that capacity would not be able to say like, dude, I'm going to go on TV right now and, and dance in front of the whole nation and, and get myself back into shape. Right. That's to powerful. me. Yeah. And, and that's how I approach my clients. It's like, hey, listen, man, like you're going to get fit no matter what. Right. You're going to get stronger. But man, would I love to see you walk out of that house feeling so damn proud of who you are and confident that you feel like you could conquer anything that you, you put your mind into. And to me, that's freaking breakthrough, man. That's, that's transformation. I just, you know, I never knew that about the Richard Simmons thing. Um, like, I, I, I don't know much about P90X or Tybo. Or, I know the names, of course, but I, I don't know that much. You know what I'm thinking? Mm-hmm. Jane, dude, Jane, Jane, Fonda, Fonda. Yeah. Jane, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's kind of one of those. But, you know, when you were talking, what you made me realize is that, you know, Richard Simmons, he was having people that traditionally weren't fitness people or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and also putting them and incorporating them into the videos and everything else. Whereas, I think when you look at the beach bodies and, and all that, it's people with pre-existing beach bodies. Exactly. Mostly. Yeah. Which is like... The death. before and after. is like, yeah. dude, this dude's already fit. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> this dude's already shred city. Why is he fucking doing beach body? Have yeah. a cheeseburger for exactly. God's sake, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting thing. You know, now that I'm thinking back on, on seeing all of those infomercials mm-hmm. at late night and all that stuff, yeah, everybody's already shredded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. And it's like, yo, hey, I'm about to launch this program. Can you, uh, would you be willing to do it? And then I'll help. They're already kind of like in a preemptive state. You know what I'm saying? Whereas these people are like, wait, what? What? Dude, I'm like 400 pounds. Yeah. You want me to what? Look at that guy. Of course he can do that. Yeah. How am I going to do that? Yeah. And so he took the most freaking, talk about Alio Gracie. That's what he was able to do. He took the freaking weakest people, right? He took... And he, and he went against the biggest badasses in the world and freaking beat them. 
Yeah. And and it's how do you how do you take the people who have are the most defeated, who have the furthest to go to be able to freaking experience breakthroughs and move on and 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 go to the next level in their business life and relationships because that all comes down to your self-worth and your freaking self-confidence, dude. Right. You know people talk about faith, right? Faith is not it doesn't originate from the faith of like religion. Faith is your belief in yourself. That's origin, the origin of faith, dude. Preach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you don't have that for yourself, dude, it's everything else is meaningless, man. It's true. You know, what I often say is if you don't believe in yourself, why would you expect someone else to? Ooh, right? Why, why would you? Yeah. You know? And how you show up every single day, people feel that stuff, dude. Right. Yeah. So if you're not experiencing breakthroughs, you might want to reassess like how you're showing up to the world, dude. Yeah. That's self-awareness right there. It is. And I think it's, um, you know, Rogan that says this all the time, but it's something along the lines of try to be the superhero of your yeah. own movie. Like if you're looking at your life, like it's a movie. Yeah. Portray the superhero in that movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it's like, would would the would the superhero in my movie be doing this activity right now? Yeah, nope. Urch, yep. cut that shit out. Yeah, stop doing that. Employ some discipline, right? Yeah. Get back on the path. Yeah, yeah. and, and to, to to even like go off of what you just said, Nick. It's like if you had a movie about yourself, would you even be? Would you even watch it? Right. Like, is that, is that would that be too boring? Yeah. Right. And if you if you can't watch your own movie, how the hell do you expect other people to watch your movie? You know what I'm saying? That's why I want to live an epic life, and that's why you're in my life because you're gonna help me with that, dude. Because you're a freaking man of of epic movies, bro. Likewise. No, thank you, man. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Well, dude, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap this shit up. That was fucking great, right? Yeah, man. So, Nick, I'm telling you right now that. uh at least, uh, and I get to share this too, but uh, I'm going to be, you know, with, with all the stuff that I'm doing, I really want to minimize. I do everything to minimize, right? And so I'm making investments and going on tour and this so that I can, I can really m simplify my life into a point where all I'm doing, Nick, is connecting people like you and 14 other individuals to go on a worldwide immersion retreats where it's a whole experience where we do fitness we do workshops we do uh joint venture collaborative people with like not only like-minded but like-hearted people you know what i'm saying because there's a lot of like-minded who are assholes right like-minded as in like entrepreneurship and stuff right. like that but they're assholes you know so like-minded light-hearted you and i would be doing life globally you know what i'm saying and and and, and so um, I'm, I'm saying this now to call myself out and to put it into the universe that you and I will be doing something like that in the future. I love that you just did that. I do that often too. Yeah. Because as soon as you tell someone else mm -hmm. or you put it into the ether, yep. all of a sudden you're accountable. Mm -hmm. It's not just in your own mind anymore. Yep. I think that's a beautiful idea. And, um, you know, you told me a little bit about this concept even a, a bit ago and like the, the sort of passion that, that you have for it and the vision that you have for creating a thing like that. I think that, um, you know, you are one of those rare people that would be able to put something together like that, mm -hmm. that really does bring cool and interesting people with kind hearts mm -hmm. and smart minds together in a way um, that creates like some really cool synergies. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and at the very core of it, that's the true definition of a mastermind. So don't get fooled by all these masterminds that you hear these days. 
where it's just a bunch of like these uh, young uh, Instagram millennial <laughs> hustlers who call it a mastermind, but really a mastermind uh, by definition is when two or more people are gathered with the spirit of harmony for the attainment of a definite purpose. And so with, with the true mastermind, you and I are masterminding right now because, because we have the spirit of harmony and we have a definiteness of purpose in mind that we're trying to help each other accomplish and get that goal. Right. That's a mastermind. Right. It's not freaking IG story, look at the Ferrari, <laughs> look at this dude's freaking iced out, you know. Uh, you want a fucking iced out Rolex <laughs> like this, bro? Yeah. Buy my $600 course right now to teach you how to get one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So just be careful, man, and and um, just, know, just know that Nick and I are here to, to really... Uh, pour into whatever we can to 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 add value, man. Either way, yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. And um, if, if people want to get into contact with you, um, where can they do that, and and how is best to uh, to approach you? Yeah, the best is probably um, Instagram or or uh, my email. You could you could hit up Nick and uh, get my number. That's no problem. And um, I'm really here to really authentically connect. And when I say authentic, I really mean that. Um, you and I are probably can sniff BS from, <laughs> from a continent away now, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So, so yeah, if, 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 if anyone comes through Nick, man, like I'm, I'm open doors for you anytime and, um, literally have a phone conversation or even meet up in person if you're here in LA. Awesome. So, well, yeah. Thanks for doing this, brother. It's fucking great. Dude, absolutely. It's freaking epic, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for listening to the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and review the podcast. It would mean a ton to me. Honestly, it really would. And thank you to Carrie. It was a great time chatting with you. Thank you for being on the show. If you think you would be great on the show or know of somebody else that you would like to hear, hit me up, ingersollnik.com slash AMA. You can ask me anything you want there on some of our AMA episodes, or if you have a good suggestion for an upcoming guest, please let me know. And until next time, I'll chat at you then. Peace.